0: Welcome to the read down, your weekly progressive political hot take by the Stonewall Democratic Club. On today's episode, we will be reading down the worst in COVID today. This week's xenophobic bullshit coming out of the White House, and it's a lot. Uh, and some policy developments coming out of the Biden uh, out of the Biden campaign. I almost said Biden administration. It's wishful thinking. Uh, we'll be opening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be opening the library to read the GOP for filth and giving you the rundown on the latest 2020 developments. My name is Jonathan Welch. I'm your host this week, and I'm joined by my co-hosts on the panel, Ryan Basham and Alex Mohajer. And our special guest panelist, he is an LGBTQ youth pastor, and he's running for Compton City Council in next year's election, 2021, Dr. Jace Dawson. Yay! Hello. Hello. Welcome, Jace. Hello. So, welcome, everybody. It's great to see you all. And uh, why don't we just jump into some some stuff going on in the world before we get into our big democratic energy Um, Let's talk about something that happened today. We had uh, a very interesting event that occurred in the Rose Garden at the White House today when President Trump called uh, a press conference for 5 p.m. and he just stood there and started trashing Joe Biden. Guys, what is going? I mean, first Uh, of all,
1: it's illegal, but go ahead. Let's start. I I just think we should stop calling it the Rose Garden and start calling it the upside down. I think that's reasonable. It's not, it's like, it's like, it's like. It's. It's Earth 2. It's like, What. what's actually happening here? I mean, he's, the, here's the thing about it being illegal, though. Campaigning the way he is in this illegal fashion, there's no punishment for. So he can just keep doing it. And it's not like the Senate's going to impeach him.
0: Yeah, do we think that maybe um, he's in this kind of weird in-between time where he's not going to face any consequences for doing things like this? I mean, he's always in a weird in-between time.
2: This is no different. That's just, yeah, who yeah. is. and no one holds this guy accountable for anything that he does. And he's wrong for nothing and right for everything. I, I can't comprehend it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's baffling,
3: Alex, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, actually, I wanna see if we can share this with our viewers so they can get a little bit of a...
0: Oh, a little taste? A little taste. Uh, I know I didn't get to watch it today, so this is going to be horrifying and probably delightful in an awful way. Can you guys hear this? No, we're not getting any sound on it. Oh, it may be for the best. I I think it would be painful to share. Although, although enlightening, Um, apparently he went on just a tirade um, discussing Biden. Alex, you are muted.
3: All right. Well, we haven't perfected that technology yet, but next week, (laughs) we'll get there. We'll get there. There will be full audio. Oh, Um, yeah. Trump was deranged today. Let's not like let's not. And it's not even a surprise anymore. Like Trump being deranged should be shocking, but it's not. He's he's NSFW. He's effing deranged. And he's been deranged. This isn't a secret, America. The dude has been deranged since day one. His inauguration was deranged. He's deranged today. He was deranged yesterday. He'll be deranged tomorrow. So people are all up on Twitter being like, this is crazy. Everybody watch. Like, I I don't support watching his press conferences, but today I'm going to watch. And I'm like, why? What's the difference? He's crazy yesterday. He's crazy today. And if you're still
0: voting for him, so are you. Well, and the reason why um I mean I told you why I was crunchy we, today, guys. <laughs> you're crunchy, and I'm 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 glad we're really getting into some crunchy, salty times with you. <laughs> but <laughs> we have an hour. So um, but what what I think he was doing is he called this press conference because he wanted to talk about he called a press conference because he wanted to talk about China. And instead he started you know, going, going off the rails because Biden this morning made a really clear, cohesive um, speech on, on economic policy and on what he's, he's proposing to do when he becomes president to get us out of the current mess that he's in. So clearly there's a little bit of uh, reciprocation
1: for doing something like that. So he's like, yeah, he's like, it's like, he saw that plan and he was like, holy fuck, I need to like take this guy down and I don't have a plan, but I do have like five to 10 words. So I'm going to use them over and over again to trash this guy. And hopefully that'll win me some points. I mean, but this is coming from the same guy who like brags about how well he did in like that, um, that aptitude test, that cognitive aptitude test that's meant to be like the baseline detection for mental health or for uh, cognitive issues where you, where you have to do things like remember five words and he and he brags about remembering the five words. He's not. That's not special. It's not special. I'm over it. I just. We got about like 110 days left of this. Okay.
0: Hundred
2: and twelve November is coming. Yeah. November is coming.
0: November is coming and we really hope that we can do the work to get him out. And let's talk a little bit, like if we get into some BDE, the big democratic energy for the week, um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what is going on in November. So of course, as you guys know, if you've been listening to this podcast or anything in the news, you see that Donald Trump is going on, uh, on another tirade and, and committing a war against vote by mail. So, Evidence is suggesting this week um, through surveys and articles that have been written about how Republicans are responding to his uh, his anti mas- uh, vote by war mess vote by mail message. Um, and it's kind of backfiring against him. Democrats and independents are ready to vote by mail and are open to it and they trust it. But the lack of trust is coming from Republicans. What do you guys think that this is doing for the strategy um, from the Trump campaign?
1: I mean, I think it's going to backfire because we're going to end up having vote by mail in a lot of swing states and Democrats are going to do it and Republicans aren't. It's It's effectively killing momentum from his base, which is awesome. So as long as we get vote by mail through the swing states where it really matters, I'm fine with him going on a tirade about it because it means his people won't vote. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know.
2: I honestly don't know. I feel like it's all crazy and deranged. And we know that the campaign is insane in and of itself. So I wouldn't be surprised if this backfired against the Democrats, to be honest with you. I'm for vote by mail. I think it's uh, the smart and safe thing to do, vote by mail. Um, but his analogy as to why his base should not vote by mail may be uh, damaging in our November election. I mean, look at what happened with Bush and Gore. The Supreme Court made that decision. So it would not be lost upon him or many of the Republicans to finish the court throughout January, February of the next year claiming victory when victory is definitely not theirs to have. You know, we've seen the giant fall on September 11. We saw this man become elected after losing by, what, three million votes. We've seen the worst of the worst. Our nightmares have truly come true even in this pandemic so nothing would surprise me when it comes
3: to liberty. and look yeah here's the thing though let me just ch- chime in to say that <laughs> voter fraud is not a thing okay there have been studies on this this is from the brennan center they have reviewed elections back for like the past how many however many i, I don't have the number uh, from 2000 on, okay, the the average incident rate. They found an incident rate of of point zero 0003% zero zero three percent and point zero zero two five percent. Now we're talking less than a thousandth of a percentage point of voter fraud. Of voter fraud.
1: Well, okay. and, and the every and every <laughs> once in a
3: amazingly uncommon it is incredibly uncommon okay so voter fraud is not a thing and this is meant to a this is really meant to cast a doubt on cast doubt about the outcome of the election it's meant to delegitimize legitimize the outcome it's what he wanted to do in 2016 because he thought he was going to lose he started talking about it early in the debates he was saying i'll i'll um i'll think about it at the time i'll look at it at the time you know so i'm crunchy today guys Have had enough of the orange blob. Voter fraud is not a thing. And by the way, all the people that are complaining about voter fraud vote by mail themselves. All fifty states have absentee ballot protocols. Provision uh, absentee ballot protocols already. If you are registered to vote, go ahead. Find your provisional your uh, absentee ballot uh, protocols in your state and look out for our Stonewall project coming out about this very (laughs) issue.
1: Yeah, here's what. what, Here's the thing. What 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 intellectual deficiency doesn't take to see that that every once in a while when it does happen it gets found out and that gets in the news and you see that in your news and you don't go oh this really is rare because check it out this can't be that big of a deal because they catch people when they do it no instead they go oh see it's proof it happens all the time that's not it's like what where did you learn logic like did you go to like trump university for logic
3: in 2014, the Washington Post did a study, a comprehensive study, out of 1 billion ca- ballots cast between 2000 to 2014, we're talking 14 years, out of 1 billion ballots cast, there were 31 credible instances of impersonation fraud. So you guys, vote by mail. Can you just Google today. that? No, I mean it's, this is a Brennan This is a Brendan Center thing that I've had on <laughs> on the back burner for quite some time. It's like
1: you were quiet for a second, and then you had some stats. So I was just kidding. well, I was trying to <laughs> well, be respectful
3: of you while you speak.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it.
0: I love the respect <laughs> that we feel for each other here on this panel. And I will say that, anecdotally speaking, there was um, I think it was a Daily Show interview where uh, somebody got okay, a woman who was. No, it was somebody who was waving uh, a Trump flag on a street corner, and uh, and the the guy approached her, started talking to her, and she said, well, yeah, of course voter fraud is real. I know, because I, I voted for Trump twice, and I'm on probation for it. So <laughs> there are people who uh, – it, it, what, what is the messaging here? I don't know. If I can find this clip, I will share it with you guys. It is mind-blowing. So (laughs) Uh,
1: that makes me want. That makes me think undemocratic things like there should be a test you take before you can vote, which is wrong. I shouldn't think. Yeah, let's not spread that. Republicans cheat
3: in elections. What? I am beside myself with shock. Said nobody ever. Republicans sure. don't need. You know what? Like we were all talking about the the Russians in 2016. The the Republicans didn't need any help from the Russians to steal elections. Okay, they've got their fucking disenfranchisement. Oh my God, F bomb. Sorry. They've got their voter disenfranchisement. Their electoral college. Their uh. uh voter cross check their are racist voter id laws they're closing down of ballot uh, uh, of voting centers in urban areas or areas heavy, heavily populated by people of color or young people they've got their voter suppression on lock it was a, it was really sort of a farce a red herring if you will to assume that the russians had <laughs> that the republicans needed any help stealing 2016 from
0: the russians yeah, you know, so like they're basically scapegoating, benefited. right? Yeah. Like they're just using that as as an excuse. And we're seeing it, right? We're seeing it in primary elections that are happening um, all over the country. And we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that tonight um, we're awaiting results uh, for primaries in Maine, where we get to see if uh, Sarah Gideon, w- who is the current House Speaker in Maine, will get to take on Susan Collins for the Senate seat. I have a lot of friends in Maine. They all told me that they voted for Sarah. Today, very exciting. Um, also in Texas, where Alex Mahajer just drove from, uh, you you have a primary happening there to see who's going to take on John Cornyn. And if it's going to be, um, it looks like MJ Hagar has kind of been the the candidate in the lead there. Uh, it have been Beto. Well, well, but it's not. And it's, it's not. A woman. And
1: it, so we're going to support her. It's a woman. <laughs> it's a woman well, we're still supporting her. her. It's a woman and it's a
0: veteran, a wounded veteran who got a tattoo on her arm to cover up her wounds. She's kind of badass. If you haven't seen MJ Hagar's uh, 2018, she ran for Congress in 2018, and she had just, like, one of the best announcements uh, out there. So go look that up on YouTube. She's fantastic. Um, And also in Alabama, uh, Jeff Jeff Sessions and Tommy Uh. Tuberville, like... It's either going to be Jefferson Beauregard Sessions, uh, the the worst <laughs> the, the worst racist elf that we've ever seen in the United States Senate, or a football coach who has no business being in politics. But hey, that's the Republican Party. Uh, so we'll see what that how that goes tonight.
1: I've been thinking all day about this, like what, what serves us better? A, a guy who's like been a name in Alabama for decades, but now Trump is actively campaigning against, do we want him to win? Is that good for us? Or a supposedly apparently beloved football player that Trump supports, but doesn't have nearly as much name ID in Alabama. Like who do we want to win? Who is it? Who's better for the Democrat? Let's go around. I don't know.
0: Jace, do you have any ideas for who you think should win this race? <laughs>
2: Yeah, a Democrat.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Doug
2: Jones, maybe, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. I I don't think it matters one way or the other what type of Republican uh, the guy in the White House is going to support. I just think it's important that we put more liberals in office across the country, especially in the South. You know, uh, I actually got my start in the South, you know, as soon as I was born there. And that's one of the reasons why I made California my official home, because, Living there, I was in a box, and it's ultra conservative. And you know, we have uh, elected politicians who have no uh, bearings, no understanding of the day-to-day people, especially in our major cities. And I think that that's really important, and that's overlooked election after election after election. And it has to stop. And for the first time in I don't know ever, it looks like Texas could possibly maybe, in a way, one day go purple. So here's to that.
0: Yeah, you know, it's only been 44 years since Texas voted uh, blue in a presidential election. And in the meantime, we've had people like Lloyd Benson, who is a very popular senator, Democratic senator from Texas until the 90s, and uh, Governor Ann Richards, who was the last Democratic governor. um, And that was certainly in my lifetime. And she she was voted out in 1994. So uh, it is very possible polling has it has them very close right now. Biden seems to be in the lead. In fact, there was a poll that came out this weekend that had Biden up five points in Texas. So if we think that it's impossible, it it could very well be possible. It could happen. And I want to shift to polling now because since we're talking about um, some of these states where we just haven't expected Uh, joe biden to do very well montana a bunch of polling came out of there uh, this week that shows that he's only down a couple points uh, behind donald trump and that steve bullock the current governor who's running for senate is polling either ahead or pretty much level with republican steve danes what do we think about the opportunities to pick up some seats and maybe flip montana blue
1: Oh, I would love to flip Montana blue. But although I think in those same polls, though, that in the in the race for governor to replace Bullock, the Republican is edging out the Democrat a little bit, which which would be a tragedy. Uh, But having said that, I mean, Bullock would be an incredible senator. And then we would have a state like Montana, an upper Midwest state with two Democratic senators, wouldn't we? So, I mean. I think the chances are real, but I think it's one of those situations where we actually have to be making a serious effort. We can't just hope and wish and count on that name ID. This is one of those things where this is one of the reasons why um, the 50 state strategy that where you know, that some of us are used to, you know, have Howard Dean ringing in our ears saying back in the day, this is one of those reasons why that 50 state strategy matters because we do need to hold on to that governor's mansion. We do need to flip some seats at their state level. And we have the opportunity to win a Senate seat there. But if we treat it like a foregone conclusion that it either is or isn't going to happen, then we're missing an opportunity. And that's a real shame. We can do better than that.
0: Yeah. And polling suggests that it's actually it looks close in every poll. So it it should not be something that we write off, especially since Bill Clinton won it in 92. So, again, we have like a little bit more of a recent history where Montana can go purple.
3: Well, look in all of these races in Alabama, in Montana, you know we have we're, we're seeing an energized uh, electorate that's frustrated with the current uh, administration. And I believe that the 2018, uh, let's look at the 2018 midterm election, okay? The blue, the has now a storied blue wave election where we saw over 100 Democrats elected to Congress. We flipped the Congress. That was already in the making in 2016. That was already in the making with Doug Jones's win. But Doug Jones beat a very racist child molester. Roy Moore by a hair. Okay, so he had a he had an opponent that was such trash that it was really hard. I mean, it would have been unbelievable if Roy Moore got elected, and he still was very close. And the dude spoke fluent Russian, by the way. Just FYI. No Cypher. way. Yeah, Are yes. you serious? There's a video of him online where he's like the oh. the interviewer. I think it's Bashir. Um, forget his name. Um, very famous British uh, journalist is asking him. Oh, Martin uh, Bashir. Martin Bashir. Yes. He's like, it sounds like you have a lot of uh, opinions that line up quite well with, with Vladimir Putin. If you met Vladimir Putin today, what would you say to him? And he's like, do start speaking fluent Russian? Like, I agree with you. That's what's up in the Republican Party also. But it's let's like just say, the, this, this, the, the Democratic tide has started and it started years ago. We saw it in special elections that happened in Philadelphia, in Alabama. And we saw Democrats flipping 30, 40 seats in state legislatures and then these special elections for Senate seats, which, by the way, Doug Jones filled Beauregard, Jeffrey Beauregard Beauregard Sessions's seat after he was appointed to the Trump administration and then got fired, which I just think is such an amazing karmic penance. So what we're seeing is a very energized electorate that has been trending left at the 2018 midterm election. Fun fact, the entire country When an average of 10 points to the left. When we talk about Texas, Texas has been trending blue for 10 years, you know, and it's been little leaps and jumps. Uh, Obama lost Texas by like 11 points. Hillary lost Texas by nine points. Then you get to Beto O'Rourke in 2018 and he's lost it by two points to Ted Cruz. And now we're seeing polling, yes, that suggests that Joe Biden is up by five, though Biden will tell you, and I will remind you, we all thought Hillary would win in 2016, too. The polling suggested she had a 97% chance of winning. We can't trust that the Republicans will not interfere with the election. We've got to be diligent. We've got to be activated. We've got to show up in numbers that they cannot deny. So no one rest on your laurels. Ignore the polls. Even though I do love them, I'm like a glutton for it. Uh, I, I mean, there's but and be- also,
1: There's like, you know, we have to be ready for that 11th hour surprise, which, is, which might be why Hillary Clinton isn't president now. But I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg went back into the hospital today. And if we think all these awful things are going to keep Republicans just at home this time, imagine, let's just say, imagine a Supreme Court justice dies or falls seriously ill right before the election. That could energize the GOP base in a way that completely undoes all of the erosion that Trump has done to his own base. So, so we can't take any of this for granted, no matter how much better the polling quality is this year than it was four years ago, no matter how much better it looks than it did four years ago. Anyway, we have to keep our eye on the ball and not just in November, there's going to be a senatorial runoff in Georgia in January. So we can't give up on this. We can't just go, well, I did my part now and go back to, you know, you know, words with friends. Yeah, right, it's truly.
0: Right. Uh, go ahead, Jay. Sorry.
1: And you know, Alex
0: said it
2: best. Like, kind of almost ignore the polling because, for one, who does the polling? How many of you have actually been polled? I know me, in my entire life, I have not been polled. I had um, active grandparents who were not polled. I'm looking at a poll right now. Don't ask me who's it from, but they have Joe Biden winning the presidency by 308 electoral votes. Like. Who's going to look at that and say, oh, yeah, Joe Biden has it in the bag." You know, Hillary Clinton has it in the bag because these polls, as we know, have shown to be, I don't know, a educational guess, if you will, because when you call someone, especially a young person, and you ask them who you're going to vote for, they may very well be honest. But if you look at a 60-year-old, a 70-year-old, an 80-year-old who have been voting their entire life, they may give you one answer. But once they go inside the voting booth, they answer totally Changes. And if you look at the division from the top, that's trickling all the way down. They are dividing the liberals, those energized base. They're dividing us by sex. They're dividing us by religion. They're dividing us by finance. And they want to put us against each other. They want us to argue that a woman should be in office over a man. They want to argue that um, a Latin or a Latina should be in office over a black person or a white person. They want to argue that, you know, you don't want to put a, a uh, uh, someone of the rainbow community over someone of the heterosexual community in office. And then that started to allow us to really bump heads when it comes to our local elections and even our mainstream elections way up top. And I see this because every week I'm speaking to our seniors. I'm teaching and every week I'm talking to our youth and it's always those who who are right there in the middle that's always confused and discombobulated. They're either uh, undecided, but the youth tend to be pretty decided and so do our seniors. The problem is they're just never really.
1: And you, so Jay, oh no, do we have a connectivity issue? I can hear you now. Uh, well,
3: while we get wait for Jonathan to get back, Jace, you know, t- tell us a little bit more about what you're hoping for the outcome of 2020 and like, what, what are you seeing as being the most important races?
2: I am praying that we take, uh, <laughs> that there's no negative interference with our voting from the presidential races to the Senate. Race. It would be, just a great pain lifted off of my shoulders to have Biden elected as president with the first vice president female in office, along with the majority of the Senate and the majority of the Congress, Like right? Because it is important, as you stated earlier, that we place uh, someone in the Supreme Court that's more liberal than not, because honestly, our future is at stake. We understand that when Hillary Clinton was not named the, the rightful president of the United States, that our history for the next 50 years changed. It shifted in such a negative way. When you look across the country with all of the conservative judges that are being appointed left and right that are in our age group, it's concerning to me because we understand that their agenda is to make sure that they're there for the long haul and they know that they can't win an honest race against a Democrat or someone that's more on the progressive side of things. So my hope is that our base will not only go out and vote for the president, but also vote for the president to have support. And that's both houses of Congress, and including our local level uh, city council as well.
1: Um, I just want to share with you that I just got an alert on my phone. Um, Jeff Sessions is projected to lose his primary tonight.
3: Well, wow.
1: can you believe that? Can't. No, I'm just, I'm blown.
3: <laughs> what a downfall. I, I just, what a downfall. Poor guy. I, just, I mean, I'm really, just blown but. away.
1: Wow. I just, you know, here's the thing though. And people, people rightfully, uh, people rightfully call Jeff Sessions um, uh, a wimp because he stands up to, he stood up, he has stood up this whole time to Donald Trump. Uh, like, like a wet paper bag. So for him to be projected now to be, to be losing this primary um, it's, it's, I think that whatever, whatever hardcore spirit people who live in Alabama have like whatever the tried and true iron constitution attitude people in Alabama feel they have about themselves. I mean, that is not that that's being a wimp. It's being a wuss and nobody, listen, I also grew up in the South. You do not ever want to be called a wuss and that is what jeff sessions has been when it comes to donald trump and that's why he's gonna that's why he's projected to lose tonight
0: listen first of all i i'm so pissed that my internet connection failed and that i like got kicked out of this session right when that breaking news came because oh like i not like i'm happy that uh that we have one republican over another i mean come on honey Jeff yeah.
3: Sessions has had the most epic fall from grace ever.
0: And you know oh, what? Totally.
3: He's a shit bag. So enjoy
0: it, Jeff Sessions.
3: This I also,
0: <laughs> I have friends who are from Alabama and there was an interesting take. Like, I do think Tommy Tuberville will end up winning the general, unfortunately, even though Doug Jones is a fantastic senator and deserves to be reelected. Um, but One thing that he said, or that one of my friends said, was that because Tuberville is—I think he's an Auburn coach or a former Auburn coach—the football rivalry is, yeah, the football rivalry though is so strong that there are people who. Like w- see him, and even if they're Republicans, they're like, I'm not voting for him because he's an Auburn coach. Let's start so, our like-
3: own Russian psyops campaign and start pitting the Auburn folks against the well, coach, the, the Roll Tide, and just have them just go at it. There's no way I'll yeah. vote for no way I'll vote for Auburn for Tommy Tuberville,
1: and we'll. Yeah, that was really quite. Listen, clear. not not everybody in Alabama no. talks like that. It's just ninety-eight percent. Not. Well, I'm sure
3: Martin Bashir doesn't talk like this, but it was how I interpreted it.
0: Well, guys, I was gone. <laughs> for, I was gone for about yeah. ten minutes, but I want to move on. No, it was just um, one. It, it felt was, longer than it was. We missed you, though. Thank you so much. I missed you guys too. I was really concerned. I was me
3: longingly holding my <laughs> hand to touch just one
0: finger. Everything That's, he's yes. saying
1: isn't to- totally true.
0: I just booped your nose. Okay, so we're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna move it into the book club territory before we go mm. on to our main topic because today a very interesting book came out written by Dr. Mary Trump. She is the niece of Donald Trump, and she's like kind of the black sheep in that um, she is like a. Like, the good one? <laughs> so she and her brother are <laughs> the only tolerable one? Exactly. Like, she and her brother are the ones who got away, and they kind of got screwed by the Trump family. The stories are incredible. And she came out with the book today. She's a clinical psychologist, and her book is called Too Much and Never Enough, subtitled How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. And... It came out today. I cannot wait to read it. What do you guys think? Are we reading this book? Does this I help? Think live stream an entire reading of it, just beginning to end. Should and we do a dramatic reading and have yes?
3: Can I be Mary? I mean, I yes. already am. Mary, well, I think but- I think
0: you yeah. you you have some Mary energy. I think we all would take that
3: joke away from you before you could use it yourself. So it's not funny <laughs> if you do it, but. Some of the claims in this book are are, are wild, right? It's, uh, here, I'll read a little bit from it. Donald, following the lead of my grandfather and with the complicity, silence, and inaction of a sibling, destroyed my father, Mary Trump. Writes, I can't let him destroy my country. And that's just the beginning. She calls him pathetic. She calls him a clown. She calls him a fluke. Um, she says that cheating is a way of life for him. She... Uh, she, she just really blasts his academic pedigree, provides false info on his application for admission, cheats on his exams, tampers with records. I mean, she really goes all in. And let's just look at the historic nature of the family member of a sitting president writing such a damning tell-all book. And yet, is anyone going to be surprised or shocked?
1: And it's not just any it's not just any family member it's a PhD clinical psychologist who is already doing very well in her own life. She doesn't have to sell a book to do well. She's not desperate for money. Life is fine for her. In fact, she could be taking risks with her career by doing this. Her otherwise very excellent career. I mean, this is this, this is unprecedented. Listen, 200 years from now, there's gonna be a musical called Trump in the style of Hamilton, and she's gonna not. be a pivotal, a pivotal character.
3: Why ruin the musical
2: theater too? Like, <laughs> haven't you had enough?
0: God, I the really don't
2: think. The thing about that is that they actually had a restraining order um, stopping her from speaking anything about uh, this book, uh, per her attorney, words, not mine. And when I think about how he tried to stop her from speaking and telling her truth and by way his truth as well, it reminds me of his dun, 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 his taxes, how he tried to get the Supreme Court to put a stop on presenting his taxes. So who worked so hard to stop information from being revealed if there is no criminal activity to it? I mean, obviously, it's nothing that we don't already know or that we can't take an educated guess on. But honestly, this guy has gone over and beyond to stop us from getting some basic information. Why? I mean, we know why, but honestly. We do. Why? Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, the it's all kind of coming out and i think mary trump talks about it a little bit in her book like she goes into some of the financial details about with without actually seeing some of those documents but knowing really what her family did and what her family hid from her because she was entitled to an inheritance from her grandfather that ended up never coming her way because her her uncles and her aunts stole essentially stole a bunch of money and put it into private trusts i know i'm I'm going to read this book and I anticipate that I'm going to read it cover to cover that I can't get enough because it seems like it is it's too juicy, like to put down. Um, so I'm looking forward to to picking that up actually tonight after our broadcast ends. So let's...
1: I just I, I still think I can. I mean, I'm already so traumatized by the existence of Trump as president. I don't know if I can dedicate more time to reading a book about it.
3: Yeah, I can, can if fit. we do a dramatic reading.
0: Yeah, like I, I, there are two dramatic readings that I really want to do, like stage readings. This is one of them. The other one is Suzanne Summers' book of poetry, and if you haven't read it, like, I implore you. I own a copy, so go pick. You that know, up. I, did
3: a, I did a reading of the Mueller report with a bunch of activist groups, including Stonewall and a few others. Did a it was like forty eight hours long. We did an entire reading, and we came in in segments and did parts of the Mueller report, and that was. It was a little boring, you know. What I'd really like to do is "Mary Trump's Too Much and Never Enough: How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man." Available today in hardback on Amazon and everywhere where books are sold. Sold,
0: sold, sold. sold, and that, and that's your plug for for Dr. Trump. Um, and we really hope that her. I know we hope myself. we hope that her book sales do really well.
1: The uh, the audiobook is also already available. So if you don't want to get the hardback, you can just spend an Audible credit on it. Can't wait. So let's talk about um, let's let's go to a more serious
0: topic. We are Mm. all in Los Angeles right now Mm. and we're living in essentially covid hell because Mm. as of right now, 31 counties um, have been declared by Governor Newsom to close most operations in places like bars, restaurants, gyms. Um, sports clubs, indoor facilities, and statewide, he's closed a significant amount of businesses as well. Um, quite suddenly, um, it, it. We're right next door to Arizona, which is seeing some of the highest spikes in in in, in the world right now, and the governor there, Governor Doug Ducey, is essentially doing nothing. Um, how did it get so bad? Well, how did we get to where we are now? Is it masks? Was it leadership? I wanna hear from you guys. Jace, you're shaking your head, so I'll let you go first.
2: I blame Arizona and Nevada. (laughs) I'm kidding, but seriously, there is an absentee in leadership and that's where it starts. We've had warnings from November and October. My job where I am or was the district human resource and finance director for an organization that is based out of China had information come in and they closed down the locations there. They closed down the locations here. We had fair warning. So did the United States government. We acted too slow. We were not on the same page as how to move forward in protecting our country. We should have shut down those borders right away and made sure that everyone was, well, we didn't have the testing at the time, but that everyone was Isolated as they were re-entering our country, and California was on a great path up until recent. But I blame the lack of leadership and the and, and all of the other uh, governors and even some of the senators in the neighboring state, uh, actually all of the state. Uh, I think that we need a nationwide shutdown, a 14-day quarantine, so we can get a hold of this virus. It is ridiculous that we have so many lives that are impacted by this pandemic. When you have second and third world countries that are thriving past this pandemic at this point, why can't we, uh, the United States of America, right? A for-profit country when it comes to our medical world, can't get a hold of this. And we're still having this debate about healthcare for all. I am dumbfounded by it. And and, and every day that I wake up and I'm looking and I'm reading my tweets and and I'm, I'm looking at the news and I'm getting my information, I am continued I'm continue to be dumbfounded. I don't understand how we're able to operate in
0: this way. Right, so clearly we're we're lacking leadership from the federal level, which is exactly why, uh, why we're having this issue because we're leaving it up to the states and uh, while this is happening and while several states are seeing these huge numbers, these spikes where just the focus for COVID-19 is really on the United States worldwide uh the Trump administration is spending time putting opposition research out there on Dr. Anthony Fauci who's really the only person coming out of uh, out of the White House who's talking any sense who really you know who we can trust um how how do we fix
1: this like how well, do we how do we make it better I th- I mean somehow we've got to communicate to people that uh, look the EU has a hundred million more people in it than the U S does. And yet somehow the state of Arizona alone has more new cases than the entire EU. And I'm not sure that's reaching everybody. I think the way that we fix this is find a way to get that kind of news to everybody in this country, everybody in the middle, the kind of people who are going to make the decision about this election in November. Those are the folks who need to know these true, hard, indisputable facts. So you know, I think it's podcasts like this, but I also think it's like talking to people that we we already know that we avoid having political conversations with because it's uncomfortable, but we need to do it anyway. I think we need to like, it reminds me of like, um, you know, uh, when Harvey Milk started get encouraging everybody in his group of people to come out to their families and it was going to be awful, but they did it anyway. We need to start coming out to our friends and family who are anti-Fauci, anti-science, pro-Trump as – hear the actual facts and really communicate them to these people because otherwise they're going to get it from Fox News or Rush Limbaugh and they're not going to really know how much worse it is here than everywhere else there's there's my soapbox we just need to make sure people know
0: (laughs) yeah so I think um I think of course it's masks like we talk about wearing your mask all the time, and so you know there that there's that component. And in terms of like here in LA, if we talk about like how we failed, um, I think we probably opened up too soon. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but we we definitely just kind of opened everything up without any guidelines uh, or restrictions or guardrails, and or, or, or enforcement on the few guardrails that we had in place. So I know that there are a lot of people who are very upset right now because they can't go to the gym and they can't like go eat in restaurants and things like that um we just have to get through this period and hopefully it will not be several months long although it may be and perhaps the only solution is to uh vote for leaders who are actually going to take this seriously
1: i, I mean to be clear we you know Uh, Orange County bleeds right into L.A. County and Orange County is full of people who were never about the masks and never about distancing in the first place. We're in a shitty situation in Southern California right now because there are too many people who are conservatives, Republicans, Trump supporters who were never on board with social distancing, never on board with wearing masks. And it was it was enough people that all of us who were doing the right thing got canceled out. That's why we have a spike now, because people are being assholes and selfish because they think they're taking a political stand because the man that they followed told them to. This is Donald Trump's fault.
0: Absolutely. And while we're on that subject, um, we do have an opportunity to boot him out of office soon and replace him with Joe Biden. And recently, um, the Biden-Sanders Policy Task Force, which was pulled together by both campaigns in order to create... Uh, different policies that were a nice merge merger of ideas between the two Uh, recently came out with a set of recommended policies, policies that have to do with economic growth, with environmental impact. Um, Can we focus on this and like try to end our episode on a positive note? How do we feel about some of the policies that have come out of this task force?
3: Well, firstly, I want to applaud Joe Biden for putting his finger on the pulse and understanding that progressive policies are popular policies and that you need to appeal to a radically different style and method of doing things if you want to win this election this November. The way of doing old, the old way of doing things is not going to cut it. And we need radical change and we need it fast because we have so many. Dumpster fires, COVID nineteen being one of them. The the we have forgotten about how dire the environmental situation is. We don't have that much time before our carbon emissions hit the amount that scientists say is irreversible. We have eight to ten years to do that, and unless we take really proactive action now, that's going to be not going to be able to be accomplished in eight or ten years because we will not be able to stop the uh, the uh, the output on time. And I want to just touch base on a little bit. Of this new platform that I'm really, really happy about, uh, particularly his environmental policy, which, by the way, he recruited Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to work with him on this uh, environmental policy and the Sunrise Movement, which is a very progressive, very left uh, a pro-environment organization who Stonewall has um, done a panel with about the, about climate change in the past has applauded this new platform. It, it says, uh, and this is from the Sunrise Movement: The Biden goes big and fast on clean energy investments, shifting from 1.7 trillion dollars over 10 years to tri- two trillion dollars over four years. He commits to 100% clean electricity by 2035. Historic investments in sustainable public housing, public transit, transit, and electric vehicles. This is stupendous and huge. This is the kind of radical, quick action that we have been, the younger folks, have been screaming about for some time. And I'm very happy to hear about this. And I think it's just one of of, of several ways Joe Biden has moved very left in a way that's also very popular. These these. Ah, uh, proposals are popular. They create jobs. They save our economy. They save our economy. They save our environment. They are popular. They need to do it. It's the moral thing to do. It's the economically just and uh, right thing to do. So I applaud it, and I think it's absolutely brilliant that he's that he p- partnered up with uh, Bernie Sanders, who I've had grievances with in the past. I consider myself a progressive. I've had grievances with Bernie Sanders because of the way that he he Sam conducts things. That's not even.
1: That's not even let's not even let's but not what even. what I'm saying is I No, but really is I, I applaud Well, no, but the point is I
3: applaud this merger and my grievances with him aside, I am thankful that he is on board and recruiting his people and not doing the same thing he did in
1: 2016. 100%. Yes.
0: And because I love polling so much, a recent poll came out that said um, 87% of Sanders supporters were voting for Joe Biden and I think only four for Donald Trump. And those numbers were very different in 2016. So this is really good news. And for those who may not, not be on board. This is this is the kind of movement that's going to get people on board. That Biden is really moving far left. He's he's creating FDR-like policies to get us out of this depression, to get us out of this pandemic. Uh, he sees it as a war. And he was highlighting a lot of those policies in today's economic speech and he really is kind of putting it out there as jobs first. So even though this this um this environmental policy is super strong, it's also going to have a very strong, like Alex was saying,
1: economic benefit that's going to reach everyone. That's why Joe Biden is the right person to sell this plan, because Joe Biden is from coal country. Joe Biden is from he's from the Rust Belt. He gets that, you know, people we talked about this, I think, last week, people who live in coal country have for a lot of them. Their options for a career are to make decent money and, and decent enough money to live on are go work in a coal mine and die from, you know, uh, uh, black lung or sell drugs. Um, and, and the sell about green, the green new deal so far has been about the environment and all those people here is then my only option will be to sell drugs. So, you know, Joel Biden can go in there and make it about jobs first. It's like, it's like, you know, when you're a kid, and you really want to have spaghetti, but your mom wants you to have green vegetables. So she chops up some broccoli and mixes it all in there. And you can't really tell because of the red sauce. That's what Joe Biden is doing. He's, he's putting the stuff that we really need, that our planet needs, that our society needs, in terms that are easy to digest for people who are really only thinking about the thing that matters most to them, which is it's the economy, stupid. They need good paying jobs. Making it about jobs is going to make it sellable where we haven't been able to sell it in the past.
0: And all of these things touch each other. Right. So the economy, the with, environment, with health, yeah, health care. I mean, these are all things that really these areas really do touch each other. So um, so I know I'm thrilled to see some of this and I want to I want to move on so that we can get to uh, what we used to call the soapbox. We used to be able to perch ourselves up there, but now we're calling it the library. Guys, the library is open uh, and we're going to go off on our topics, on our on our pet issues. And for this, I'd like to go to our guest first. I'd like to go to Jace. Do you have um, something, a soapbox moment that you'd like to bring to the library?
2: Yes, absolutely. You know, wearing these masks are essential and they are important. And so let me just go out. For one, our essential workers need a $600 a week or a $400 a week uh, stipend, whatever you want to call it, like the rest of the world. They're putting their lives at risk to make sure that our country continues to move, even though we're handicapped. Secondly, how about the people with the massive protest with their AR 15 storming Governor Mansion and uh, meeting in these large groups, right, with their their guns are blazing, talking about how it's injustice to wear a mask and it's against their human rights, but yet these are the same people that are quiet every time a black man or a black woman is shot down unarmed and in the back or someone's knee is on their neck. They are quiet when situations like that happen. Or when the president gets up on his soapbox along with his Republican buddies in arm, and talk about how one group is such good people, but, you know, the Black Lives Matter people, we'll get on that, are a bunch of criminals and and thugs and terrorists because they are forming to make change where it's needed the most, right? And so you turn your attention toward people who are outright threatening violence, showcasing a violence them thumb. To me, if you are out with a gun in your hand, it doesn't matter to me, it just seems like a level of threat versus people who are coming together to do what they what is in the constitution for them to do, which is protest. Now, Black Lives wow. Matter, I want to touch on this because you know, a lot of people are not in kind with me when I make this statement, but I believe that some that say all lives matter, but all lives can't matter until black lives matter and all black lives all black lives can't matter until all black lives matter and that's referring to our transgender brothers and sisters our non-binary siblings and everyone from our lgbt plus spectrum that just really grinds my gears how we pick and choose what to stand up for and to sit down for it grinds my gears when we have a community that's united on one issue but divide on another issue that's just the same. How can you make a difference between the two? I can't understand that. That's one of the reasons why I've devoted my entire adult life to fighting for injustice, fighting against injustice, fighting for our seniors and our youth and our LGBT community, because injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And it doesn't matter of your your background. If we're gonna be united, In unity and moving this country forward, we have to make sure that everyone is brought to the table, that everyone is able to eat at that table, and that everyone is protected, not picking and choosing. I'm here to tell you that you know I am Jay Stolten. I believe that all Black lives matter, and all lives can't matter until the LGBT Black lives matter as well.
0: And that's a message. then wear your mask and that's a message of unity and that's something that we all have to we all have to be together and uh and that is a very powerful message and i love that you punctuated it with the mask thing because i'm the person who yells at everybody to wear their mask um i'm going mask to karen.
1: <laughs> that's, right.
0: Karen. that's right that's right i am the mask karen okay um i'm gonna i'm gonna save the crunch for last so i want to go to ryan next
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the thing um, uh, All members of Congress Who aren't um, You know, like quarantining themselves Are going to be back in their offices By July 20th um, Supplemental unemployment insurance Runs out on July 31st There's already a lot of discussion About more stimulus money coming through For, co- for companies um, For corporations and, and, and all this and all that But it is not a foregone conclusion that included in this package will be the enhanced UI uh, being extended as well. There are people who – there are millions of people in this country who are counting on that and will continue to count on that because what we see now is that this outbreak is getting much worse. And so I'm calling on everybody who's listening to this to call your senators. And your your, your your representatives, I mean, look, this is covered in the House. They're going to do it. But call your senators. And, and And very importantly, get in touch with your friends and family who live in states that have Republican senators and encourage them to call their senators as well. All it takes is a slim majority to move a bill through Congress that includes extending unemployment insurance enhancement through the end of the year. But if there isn't a groundswell of pressure to do it, It might not happen. So call your senators, even if they're Democrats, because they can use that information. Like senators can literally say X number of my constituents called me supporting this. I have to push hard for it. Even if they're Democrats, I mean, it's you're doing them a favor. You're giving them ammunition when you call them. But also reach out to those people, you know, in states that have Republican senators and and give them like the number that's on the screen right now. If you're watching the live stream, give them this number and just say, just call your Republican senators. Just call. Or go to their website and use the form on their website or send them an email. Just add to the tally of their constituents who want extended um, ex- the, ex- an extension of the enhanced unemployment insurance benefit. Just add yourself to that tally and get your friends to add themselves to that tally. That's how we get it done. That's how we save millions of our fellow Americans from potential homelessness food insecurity. There are a million things that can go wrong for someone in in a pandemic and a recession at the same time, just because of money. So this is one thing we can do for each other, regardless of, you know, we don't have to know the person personally. It's just something we do for our, our fellow Americans. Call your senators. Put that number in your phone. Right? Put that number
0: in. 202 224 3121 for all of those of you who are listening right now and not watching. 202 224 3121. Put it in your phone.
1: It's um, a switchboard that will redirect you to your senators. So all you have to do is just call that number and you tell them where you live and they redirect you. Yep. 202 224 3121.
0: So easy. All right. Alex, the floor is yours.
1: I got to brace myself. Hydrate.
3: Okay, I need to take a sip because this is about to be a read. Uh, My uh, library is open today for a Karen. And I try to come to you guys every week with a special little doozy. There is a woman who showed up at an Orange County Board of Education meeting yesterday. Ugh. Without a without a mask. Now, this woman's name is Dottie Sunshine. That's her actual name. Stop. And as I am a fan of publicly shaming people who act like total, dangerous, deluded, r- crazy assholes in public, and, and they're proud of it, I think now is the time. Now is the time to burn the bridges. Now is the time. Now is the time because it's costing lives. And you know what? this Karen, Dottie Sunshine, shows up to the Orange County Board of Education meeting without a mask. She's live streaming on Facebook. She's antagonizing the Black Lives Matter protesters who are there. And now she's responded to this because I've been in contact with her. She was very displeased that I posted the video, her video to Twitter and it went viral. So if anyone, everyone's watching the, this right now, at Alex Mohajer, go on and check out video of Dottie Sunshine and decide for yourself. She's very upset. She says, I uh, dishonestly misrepresented her her stance, even though I'm literally just posted the video. You know, I just posted the video. It's clear to the naked eye that this woman is antagonizing people because they are chanting at her, wear a mask. Do you want a mask? There are people pleading with her to wear a mask and she's not wearing one. She's calling into question the science. She's one of the anti-Fauci people. She's an anti-vaxxer. And she's just openly there without a mask. And she's asking, why Why are we wearing this mask? What is it protecting us from? This woman is also a registered, or not a registered nurse. She studied nursing. She says she was a nurse for many years. So shame on you. I take great pleasure in, in in shaming you and putting you out in the for the public eye to see. You put yourself on Facebook Live. You wanted the world to see exactly what you were saying. And it was only when someone removed your video from your echo chamber and put it for the entire world to see that you got upset about it. If you believe what you believe, if you're trying to educate people about the mask thing, stand by your shit, stand by it, own it. And, and don't back out now because someone else put you on the world stage for the world to see. You're a coward. You're dangerous. You're deluded. And frankly, you are allowing this thing to go on longer and longer and longer. It's people like you that have us stuck in our homes, who have us afraid to go out, who have us unable to live our normal lives. People like you. The rest of the Western world has got a handle on this. It's people like you. And yes, the president of the United States is to blame. Yes, this administration is to blame. But this is also a time for critical thinking. And if you can't critically think, shut the fuck up and get out of the way. You are really getting on my last nerve Every last Karen And if you see it, shame them Because shaming does not work In terms of changing people's minds Ryan brought this up a couple weeks ago And I credit him for it Not going to change her mind This woman is deluded and committed to her beliefs But what I am going to do Is I'm going to shame you publicly So you shut up And that's all i got to say about my My uh, library Yeah
0: Listen, I was—I was, uh, I I was drinking a cigarette. I told
3: you I was crunchy this week, guys, and
0: there it is. And certainly, I—I I wanted to just quietly sing "You Are My Sunshine" in like a creepy, sad way, like crying. But uh, <laughs> but I didn't get to it. I'm just. She's very away. upset
3: too. I mean, she sent she, me. She's not me personally, but she's very upset about th- that I posted her video to Twitter. And it's like, girl, you of put course your she... video on Facebook. <laughs> you put with your name, so own it. Own it. All right. Own how you
0: feel. Anyway, I'm gonna go to Alex at Alex Mohajer and find that video and share it once this is done. Before I start reading my Mary Trump book, my library my library moment is uh, simple. I'm gonna give myself a read, really, because I'm one of the people who was who would say like joe biden was like my 15th choice in the primary Um, but of course i'm going to support him and you know i've really come around to the point where like i am a joe biden fan i i like joe biden i've always believed in Joe Biden, I think that he has our best interest at heart. And what I want to say is that there are a lot of people out there who are cutting him down as like a precursor to the things that they want to say to support him and that does not help. Guys, we need to get enthusiastically behind our nominee and make sure that he's the next president of the United States. He is our only way out. He is the only person who is going to help us. Kanye West is not going to fucking help us. No third party candidate, no libertarian or green Party candidate is going to help us. One of two people will become president of the United States in January 2021. It will be either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Pick your lane. And once you've picked the lane, please do the work of helping other people to join us. And it's not going to happen if you keep degrading Joe Biden, if you keep making jokes about Joe Biden, if you keep saying, yeah, he's awful, but he's not. He is a good person. He's someone who, as we saw with all of these policies that came through this week, with all of the all of the work that he did with the Sanders campaign, he's someone who can be moved by people who actually care about this country. He will listen to our concerns and he will do the best possible job. Let's Let's shut the fuck up and let's get him elected and fight harder than we've ever fought before in order to make something like this happen. I am adamant. I am uh, 100% on board and I'm thrilled that he will be our next president. Please. like,
1: Yes. This is one of those things where like it's like if you, like your mother said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything please. at all. Don't just shut up. Just if you can't say anything nice about him, just don't say anything. But bonus points, if someone says something like, Well, he's kinda old or kind of weird or kind of creepy or whatever it is, redirect it. You know who's old, you know who's creepy, you know who's fucking senile, Donald fucking Trump. I
3: Beautiful. know.
1: I know, really. Yeah. It's like
0: we, we just have to level that playing field mm-hmm. and and play his game in order to win. Um uh, but no, I, I am I am quite adamant and I'm ready to get him elected and we're doing the work. So before mm-hmm. I talk about how Stonewall is doing the work in our, in our clothes. I want to kick it around and thank everybody who joined us on our panel tonight. We have Alex Mohajer. You can find him at Alex Mohajer. We have Ryan Basham. You can find him at Ryan Basham and we have Dr. Jace Dawson. You can find him at vote for Jace. The number four J A C E Jace. Do you have anything else that you'd like to leave us with any plugs or anything going on? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, You know, I believe that we have more in common that unites us than all the uh, small things that divide us. And it is important that if you are a Compton resident or have family in Compton, that you uh, join all of our social media sites. We are moving to stop the current city council from putting on the agenda to add an extra year in office for each of them. Um, due to a lot of um, possible criminal activity and some other things that's happening. And besides that, I'm going to ask you guys, um, follow me and stick with me, learn with me, and also teach me um, as we gear up our city council campaign here in the city of Compton as well. And again, I'll I'll leave you on this note. You know, um, I love you all, um, and there's nothing you can do about it. We have more in common that unites us than the things that separate us.
3: Thank you so much. And can we also just, can we also just thank you, Jason? Can we also just give a round of applause to our moderator tonight, Jonathan Welch?
0: Oh, yes, thank you. yes. You can. You can find me and the occasional thirsty uh, Twitter photo at Jonathan B Welch. I am out there. Uh, I don't go on. I, I will be also sharing uh, Dottie Sunshine and her video. I'm looking forward to that. So, um, thank you guys. This has been a production of the Stonewall Democratic Club, The read down. We are here every week on Tuesday evening, six o'clock Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. If you're interested in learning more about the Stonewall Democratic Club, and we certainly have a lot of work to do ahead of the 2020 elections, you can join us for just $25 a year at StonewallDems.org. Thank you very much. Have a great night.